welcome back welcome back i'm so excited that we're going to be here together on this saturday um what a fortunate fortunate thing that we get to gather together from all around the world and celebrate the thing that matters most and that is our creator that is jesus and so can we get some jesus hype in the chat today let me see some jesus hype from all y'all happy affiliate anniversary yes 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 happy affiliate anniversary welcome if you're new here with us welcome i appreciate you tuning in i don't uh take it lightly that you've given up a part of your saturday to be here and so i'm so thankful that you're here with us um yeah i'm honored to have you with us and so i hope that we can do our due diligence i hope you feel welcomed and, and loved um and I hope that you find a fit here in this community, in this church. And so we love you and we're so glad that you're here today. My name is Daylight, also known as uh, The Lion, also known as AKA Pastor TJ, but you can call me whatever you like. I'll probably answer to it. Uh, so so um, I have the privilege and the honor to sit on our lead team here at GSC and kind of deal with. Uh, the vision and the direction of the church, as well as, um, you know, have the awesome opportunity to get together preachers and be able to deliver the word of God. And uh, I'm humbled and I'm honored um, to be able to do so. There's never been a place that I've preached where I've felt that I was too good for, um, that I felt like I deserved the opportunity. Um, I've desired opportunity but I've definitely never felt like I've deserved it. Uh, and so I'm humbled and privileged to be able to be here with you guys as the regulars might know and you that are new might not. And so, man, we did some crazy things last week. We did a crazy streamathon, and it was nuts and it was difficult, but it was a lot of fun. Some of you guys watched me sleep on a stream, which I didn't realize was not as weird as I thought it was going to be. And for so many people, you're like, oh, how weird was it that 60 people were just watching you sleep? And I'm just like, I don't know. It wasn't that odd. I didn't like, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't bother me. It's kind of weird. But so you might be coming here from that. And thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here. Um, today, we're actually going to be talking. We've been in a series of Luke and we'll continue to be through the series of Luke until either God tells us to stop or we're done with the book. And then we have to, we have to go somewhere again, or maybe we'll just redo the whole book again. I don't know. But uh, we're just letting God do his thing. Um, feel like he's laid this on our heart. Uh, often myself and the other pastors that preach uh, or speakers that preach, you know, often we talk about like, this is a such an interesting challenge for our community, such an interesting challenge for uh, us as preachers, because none of us have really ever done this. We've preached through a whole book of the Bible, but it's what the Lord has for our community. And I'm thankful that he continues to, to use it and speaks in uh, day in and day out uh, and that you're learning and you're growing in your faith. It means, uh, it means a lot that I can be a part of that journey too. So, um, but we're in Luke 8, uh, 4 through 15 today. And before we jump in there, I like to use the CSB version. And so that's where we'll be today. But um, there's this thing in life where to know where to go, you have to know where you are, right? Like you have to be able to figure out your own location, if you're ever going to get to the destination you want to get to. And today's sermon is kind of that idea that we need to figure out where we are and identify the, that area in order to grow and to become what we desire to be. Like, have you ever wondered, like, why sometimes you feel like every step you take that it feels like you take three steps back. Like say so every time you get a little bit of forward momentum, all of a sudden it gets shifted and you get like put back. And then, you know, you'll go on this like spurt uh, and, and be on this path and everything will be going amazing. And then all of a sudden it feels like disaster strikes and you're right back just a little bit farther than you were before. Or maybe you feel like you're even, you're back to where you were before. Like you started over, like, you know, you hit the, you got, you got hit with, with, uh, you know, the respawn button. Someone hit reset on your console. 
And this is because every step you take on your journey, every step you take on the journey of life, every new step comes with new, unique trials and temptations. And we can't quite identify them because we, we didn't see them coming. We didn't know they were there. So today, I want to I take you through a journey of how you can identify and overcome the level of life that you might be stuck on. Or to be able to see the levels that are ahead and know what to do. So this is kind of like a gaming guide or a gaming walkthrough. It's like, you know, back in the day, some of you guys might understand this, is we used to go to the store, all right? I'm aging myself here. And we buy these books. And they would tell us everything to know about the game. And like, these really got popular for me for Pokemon. And it would tell you all the hidden secrets and tricks and like where you should go. And like, there it was a book. It was a gaming guide. Now we have, you know, YouTube walkthroughs and I mean, everything in the world. You have so many resources digitally that you don't need to do that. But those books were coveted. They were sick. We loved them. And so that's what kind of today's sermon is going to be is, is kind of that idea. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's I, I, there's no way it can't be. We played it in this last Waymaker uh, week, and we used a, a DDR pad, like the dance pad, to, to try to complete the game, and that was Jump King. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Jump King, or you're familiar with maybe the different, like, similar game, but different, called Getting Over It, where, like, you're, I don't understand the premise, but you're like a guy in a cauldron, like, with a, <laughs> with a, with a hammer, like a giant sledgehammer. I don't, I don't know the premise or the lore behind it. And you're going up all this like random stuff. But the whole point of the game is to climb higher and higher and higher and higher until you win the game, right? It's to climb to the top. The issue lies and the problem with these games is unless you've been there before, Unless you've gotten to the next level, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know which way to jump. You don't know what's, what hazards lie ahead. You don't know what trials there are ahead, right? Because you haven't been there, you know? They, they like scroll up as you jump or as you move up. And so you're hoping just like by luck that you land on your feet and you're not falling all the way back down the level, hitting every different obstacle. And so many of you guys, if you played a game like this, Put a one in chat. These games where it's like you bet and then one mistake can drop you all the way back down. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And the only way really you complete these games well, there's never, there cannot be anyone in history that just blindly walked into one of these games and just completed it right off the bat. I, I don't think it's possible. Like that amount of luck, you'd have to have that amount of luck times like, 3,000, and I just don't think that it's there. I just don't think someone's done it. But what ends up happening is you end up memorizing what's coming up. And once you've seen where you've fallen from, it becomes easier to identify what steps you need to take in order to excel, in order to get to the next level, right? In order to get to the next platform. Life's a lot like that. Life is a lot like trying to figure out the next stage. You know, I don't know about you, but I have kids. I don't know about you, but I've been to college. I don't know about you, but I've had a first job. I've had a second job. I don't know about you, but I've had a job and then I've had a career. I've lived in apartments or I've lived in a house. I've been through times where I'm traveling the world and times where I've been stuck inside my home. Each one of these stages of my life had different difficulties, had different temptations to them and different trials. And in each step of my life, I've had to learn to adapt and overcome. I've had to live through the challenge, get knocked down a little bit so I can get back up and face it head on. And that is life. And somewhere along the lines, specifically in, you know, where I live in America, you're almost taught that when you fail or when, when you failed in a stage of life that like everything's over. 
you've almost been taught to just like lay down and take the beating and like, well, you know, that, that thing happened. I guess you're just, that sucks. But that's not the gospel truth. The gospel truth is the idea that when you get knocked down, that you move forward, you learn to endure, to persevere, to move forward through all of the trials, the temptation, the obstacles of life. And you're not promised an easy life. You're actually promised the opposite, that life comes with difficulty. And it's not, you know, poor me because I go through difficult things. No, it's blessed am I that I get to go through the lessons of life and learn and grow and become the person that God has me to be. And it talks about in the Bible that when we go through difficult things, it produces a greater fruit in us. That's why I think relationships are so important. That's why I think people in your life are so important. Whether it be your family members, maybe your wife or your kids, or your brothers and your sister, whatever it may be. That's why those relationships are so important because in those relationships, there will become times of tension, of conflict, of difficulty, of hardship. And you learn and you grow and you become a product of those relationships. And if you allow God to use you and you allow him to speak into you through those relationships, your life can be changed. And you can become better. And the fruit you produce becomes better. It's important to realize that life is a series of trials and temptations and you're going to go through them. There's no avoiding them. You can't hide in a bunker under the... There's No matter what you do in life, there's no hiding from problems. Now, as we dive into today's scripture verse, Luke 8, 4 through 15, this is a parable. And for you that are unfamiliar with parables, um, they can be cryptic sometimes. They can be kind of hard to understand. But the Lord often in the Bible kind of says the parable and then like unpacks it. But he actually talks about, even right here in the scripture verse, where he's like, you know, people that don't understand that they, they, they can't get it. It's because they, their eyes aren't open to it. Like the truth of the matter is, is like when you have a certain perspective, you're going to filter everything through that perspective, right? And if you don't have a spiritual lens, when you're reading the Bible, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living with you, it becomes much more difficult to understand these difficult gospel truths. And so as we read through this, if you're a doctor, you might see this scripture differently than if you were a farmer or a lawyer or a gas station attendant. And so it's important to get yourself fixed, to look at this through the light of which Jesus was trying to communicate it. And so the cryptic parables are an interesting thing to, to read through. And this sermon, I, I was literally talking to my wife a few hours ago, was one of the more difficult sermons that I've had to prepare. And it's because I just feel like you could go so many places with the word of God sometimes because it's living and breathing. And I don't mean out of context. I mean, in context, I just think there's so many angles that this attacks in your life because God is pretty creative. And, and, and he does show and shows so in his word. And so a parable it literally means to throw alongside of. All right. It, it, it's this idea of to throw alongside of. And so the whole point of a parable was to make it easier to understand. Jesus didn't use them this way most of the time. But if the idea was to make it easier to understand the point in which you were trying to make. So if I'm trying to teach you about quantum physics, I probably can't go through and articulate it in the high caliber language that a normal person that understands quantum physics would be able to communicate to each other in, right? If I boiled it down, it'd be easier for you to understand. And that's what God's trying to do with these high level thoughts, 
what he's trying to do with this, this insane, intense viewpoint. And he's trying to get you to get it. But Jesus is often trying to, to make it clear and drill down further into an idea with parables. And so the reason it's uh, to throw alongside of it is it's a story thrown alongside the truth intended to teach you, to further enlighten you. Parables have been called the earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Let's dive into it. Luke 8, 4 through 15. As a large crowd was, I like to read through the whole entire scripture and then we'll break it down. I like to do this so we get a whole picture first. Luke 8, 4 through 15. Um, the parable of the sower. Verse 4. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock when it grew up. It withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. And when it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. It's important. Let anyone who has ears hear to listen. In verse 9, then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Having no root, they, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, have heard, who, who when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who have hearing the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. This is a lot to take in. There's a lot of different structure here within this parable. A lot of things to kind of kind of realize. So like to set the stage, we're looking at a farmer who's going around and these guys understand that he'd be taking from a pouch seed and spreading it out, right? He'd be tossing the seed out upon the ground and there's different surfaces, different levels, different places that this seed can fall. And when it falls in these different areas, different outcomes happen. And then what he does is after you see what these outcomes are, he compares them to what it looks like when the gospel, the word of God is sown to people and the different stages or levels that they're on and what happens when they're in those stages. It's important. It's important to, to realize the comparisons here because there is a big deal there is a lot to gain from understanding where you are and where you fall in line with this scripture. Because you can't figure out where to go until you know where you are. And so in verse four, you know, he goes on, he's talking about the large crowd gathering. And then he goes to a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. So, the first one, some seed fell on the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Got it. Number two, other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Got it. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Got it. 
Number four, still other seed fell on good ground when it grew up. It produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. Got it. These are good imagery for us to understand and really digest these different stages and areas in which we are. And we're going to jump down because the, the real part is Jesus explains it, right? And what his disciples say is, then his disciples asked, what, what does this parable mean? And so the secrets of the kingdom have been given for you to know, but to the rest, it is in parables so that they, so that looking, they may not see and hearing, they may not understand. And he says that word there, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Because the truth of the matter is, is when Jesus said this parable to the lawyer, what this meant maybe is, oh, I just need to throw out more seed because then I'll get more fruitful clients. Or to the doctor, it may look at like, oh, I need to prioritize putting my seed more in fertile soil so that I have better results from my patients. Or to the, you know, to the, the gas station attendant, it might be, man, I need to make sure I don't throw any seed to it. I don't mess anything up. Whoever is hearing these different things with their different perspectives are applying it in different ways. So Jesus talking to this huge crowd is using this parable. But then with the 12 apostles and disciples near him, he must quiet down and he looks at them and he says, see the parables for the crowds. They're all applying it to their lives in different ways. But you who has the ability to see, you who understands what I'm trying to say, understand this. This is the knowledge you seek. And then he breaks it down. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. That means that it is the gospel. The seed in this, in this element, in this place is the gospel. It's the work of Jesus. Because we know in John that it says, Jesus is the word, right? He is the gospel. And so the seed is Jesus. The seed is the word of God. In verse 12, it says, The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. It's interesting that he says that this the, the seed is the word of God, because there is a carefulness that the sower must need to be wary of. This isn't just cheap seed that can be just tossed around and not cared for. That you have to count the, the cost of throwing this seed. Because there's people's lives that are hanging in the balance. And so when we break down that verse 12, the seed along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is point one. This is the path seed. Or in other words, the surface Christians. They have no depth. They're just laying on hard dirt. And so when you haven't truly grasped or placed the word of God in your heart, and it's just something you've heard, but haven't really taken in, it means you haven't counted the cost yet that you haven't been able to take the word that you've heard and put it into your heart. That right now you're just a knower of God's word, but you have no relationship. You haven't counted the cost. And you're a surface Christian when there's no commitment. You haven't made a commitment to following after Jesus. See, the commitment is the issue and the struggle for the surface level Christian. See, the surface Christian can't, can't 
really move on in life because his faith is fleeting. It's just like gone in a second, snatched away by really anything that comes. Like, like it says that the seed was snatched away by a bird, which is making the understanding known that it was like this harmless creature that came and snatched it so easily away. And then when Jesus breaks it down further in that verse 12, he says, it's because you've left it out because it's taken no root. The devil can come and pretty much do whatever he wants. That Satan is able to have his way because you haven't grasped it. You haven't made a commitment. You haven't counted the cost. Some people are on this level. Some people are at this surface level right now. And you may not even know it's you. And the surface level is a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. Because anything that comes, man, the rainwater's come, your seed's washed away. You know, the wind blows, you're going to get tossed. And if the enemy wants to, he can just snatch it away because there's no grounding. There's no root. No depth. So the way to combat being a surface level Christian, right? I'm not going to leave you there. Just like, hey, you're a surface level Christian. Good luck. There's a way to combat it, right? If we know the issue is commitment, then you know that you can combat it by becoming committed. So be like, okay, what are some practical ways to commit it? Here at GSC, join an XP group. Here at GC, join our serve team. Become a partner of the church. Gain some ground. See, the people that are on that surface level often are people that are afraid of commitment. And the truth is, is there is no greater committed relationship that you can have in your life than the relationship you can have with Jesus. And the commitment to a church is an important step in your faith. Because the truth is, is the church is the body of Christ. It is the gathering of believers. And you, as a Christian, I believe cannot walk diligently in this world and forsake the gathering of believers, forsake being a part of a church. It's important for your life. It doesn't have to be this church, but it's got to be some church. See, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in this one scripture verse in verse 12 if you pay attention. Because the truth is, is like we gain the battle plans of the devil here, right? Like Satan's plans are literally talked about. Like, what do you, what do you well, Satan comes along and, and, and steals the word from your heart so that you may not believe and be saved. Daylight, why is that important? You literally have the plans of your adversary, someone that is that is coming against you. You know what they're trying to do. So that tells you how important the reverse is, right? The other side, the other side of that chasm is. So if the adversary, someone, Satan, who's, who's meant to do you harm, is attempting to do X, Y, Z, you then know ABC looks like this. So if Satan spends so much time trying to distract you from the gospel, trying to steal away the word of God from you, wouldn't you then understand how important it is to take firm and hold fast and commit yourself to a life-giving journey? Satan's trying to steal that from you. You have the tools now to fight against that. Point one, surface Christians, they have no depth. 
but you can combat that with commitment. As we go down to verse 13, and the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root. These believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. I've been this Christian before. I have. This is the seed that basically goes on the rock, right? Point two is these are the shallow Christians. These are the Christians where their roots aren't yet deep. Their roots haven't been planted. They're not firm. And these are the Christians that may have made a little bit of a commitment, but they've kept themselves from community. The issue is when you're a shallow Christian, you keep yourself from community. Because we know to combat the idea of shallow faith, where it's like, oh yeah, I believe what you're saying, and then it just slowly fades, is to get yourself into a community of believers who love you, who will take care of you, who cherish you. And in the same sense, you do that as well for them, where you can love people, you can cherish them, you can take care of them. The shallow Christian is the unhealthy introvert. The person that's too scared to make commitment in their community. Commitment in your community is important for your development of your roots. It's important so that you are not just snatched up, that you're not so easily moved. So that when the tides come and when the wind blows and when the bird comes and tries to pluck you, that you have deep enough roots that you're immovable. Because the the hard stuff will come. The testing, the trials, the tribulations, they'll come. They will. I'm guaranteeing it in your life. You will go through these things. So it's important that you're rooted deep in community. That you're rooted deep in God. So that when those things come, You're unwavered. The Lord puts it in a way that you need to be on a strong foundation so that you're not being tossed by the ocean, by the waves. Number 14, verse 14 says it like this. Before we get on there, so if you want to, to break that idea, if you if you want to break out of the shallow Christendom, well, what does that take you to do? That means willing to extend yourself. That means joining an XP group, right? Creating community. That means jumping into Discord hangouts. That means joining alongside of events. That means being active participant, maybe in the chat. Community. Build community. I say it all the time when I'm on transitions. Hop in the Discord and maybe make a friendship that'll last a lifetime. Because I believe it. I believe that that's possible for you. And I believe when you have someone that is fighting the same war, the same battle that you're fighting side by side with you, life becomes less challenging. Still challenging. But it becomes less challenging. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that speak to that. The idea of why it's so important to have community. So like when one falls, another's there to pick them up. It's important. It's life-changing. Now verse 14. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, 
go on their way and are choked with their worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. This is a scary one. This is the thorn seed, right? The, the seed that's scattered among the thorns. Point number three is the seduced Christian. The seduced Christian. The problem with the seduced Christian is the idea that everything else is enticing them and tempting them and they fall for it. See, we know temptations come that doesn't put you in the wrong. Jesus was tempted. The problem is, is when you start to latch your identity in those things. You start to give away your heart to those things. That's when you can become seduced by the world. See, the seduced Christian is cultivating all the wrong things. There is truth in this, and I hate saying statements like this because I just like all of the negative Christian tropes I think of when I think of it. But the truth of the matter is, is what you put into your mind and into your, your spirit, into the relationships you have, like what you allow to invade you, the things you surround yourself in, will develop you into the person that you are. There's no <laughs> superheroes. Like, we're all humans. And the truth is, is we're actually bent on evil, like naturally, right? Where we naturally do things to please ourselves. We're naturally selfish. And so when we put and surround ourselves with things that speak and feed us into our own ego, into our own pride, that puff us up, that give us glory, that give us power, that give us money, we naturally have a proclivity to those things. So if you're putting things in your mind like music that speaks dark messages to you, it's depressing. harmful if you have people that you surround yourself with that are like living for this world and all they talk about is how they're going to get their bag and you know how they're going to become this and that like if you've surrounded yourself with people that aren't pushing you towards Jesus then they're going to pull you away from Jesus you're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. To be in and surrounded by doesn't mean you can't be around. But what are you surrounding yourself with? What are the messages that you're daily intaking? What is the self-talk that you're, you're saying to yourself every day? What does your prayers look like? The seduced Christian is cultivating everything else but Jesus in their life. So how do you combat this idea of being the seduced Christian? You cultivate the good things, right? Like you cultivate the things that matter. You cultivate things that are life-giving to you. That might mean like cultivating community, like we talked about before, right? Getting into an XP group or cultivating being present in your church, serving, being, right? That's a good cultivation. But more importantly than that is cultivating your relationship with God. Hear me loud and clear, GSC. And if you can hear me, type a seven in chat. Let's see them. If you're on YouTube, comment in the comments seven or right now, seven. You can hear my words. The most important thing I can say to you is read your Bible. And pray to God every single day, if not multiple times a day. 
pray and read your Bible. Like cultivate your relationship with God. It is the most important thing you can do apart from community, apart from, um, you know, your commitment, like commit yourself to God. If you can take that step and if you can get that discipline down in your life, your life, I am promising, okay? With everything in me, I am promising. It does not matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how you are, what disability you have, which way you see, no matter what. If you cultivate your relationship with God, things will be better than if you don't. You want the hack to life? That beats every hack. You want to be more successful. You want to be, you know, you want to exercise more. Like everything starts with the foundation and the realization of cultivating your relationship with God. Because in the rooms, when you are with the King of Kings, when you are devouring his word, when you are praying and aligning your heart with his heart, your life begins to be molded and changed. Your mood changes. Your emotions change. Like the way that you perceive life changes. Your relationships change. Your structure of life changes. Can I hear an amen? I will say it every single time I preach. It's the foundation of your life. It's the foundation of your life. And if you're not cultivating that, you're letting that foundation wear away and crumble. And you're wondering why you are where you are, why you feel the way you feel, and why the relationships you have look the way they do. Cultivate a relationship with God. That's how you beat being seduced by the world. That's how you beat, by be that's how you beat being a seduced Christian. Daily. Daily, daily, daily. Because the truth is, is daily matters because everyone knows that a good garden where those seeds grow, where those thorns are. If you're daily paying attention and pulling those weeds out, the weeds that, that, that'll choke you and surround you, the temptations and you're daily pulling them away and saying no. Daily giving up those worries to God. That's when a garden looks beautiful. That's when a garden is able to be enriched and grow and multiply. You have to daily be in the word. You have to daily be praying. All right, verse 15. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who have, who having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. This is the fruitful seed. This isn't the seed we have to spend much time on, right? Like this is the one that made it. Like, woohoo, we got it. This is the steadfast Christians. These are the Christians that have been through all of the other issues, right? They, they've been tossed on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the path and they, they've actually said, you know what? I, I, I need to be committed. If I'm not committed, then I'm, I'm just going to be taken away, right? This is just going to be stolen from me. They've realized that they need to be rooted, that they needed to have deep roots in order to persevere. They needed those relationships, right? They needed that community. So they needed that commitment. They needed that community. And then they've realized that they need to cultivate that daily walk with God. This is a goal. This is another stage, another step, right? And you might not be here yet. but I've given you the steps. I've given you the, 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 the sugar and spice and everything nice to be able to cultivate a beautiful walk with God, to be a fruitful seed. 
They're committed. They're in community. They're cultivated through discipleship. Those are the people that produce good fruit. Now, you might be sitting here and being like, man, I have no idea what you're talking about, bro. I ain't one of these Christians. You'd be like daylight. Like I, I was, I was watching pastor Boz run in the Zelda marathon. Man, that's why I'm here. Like I, I thought it was entertaining what you were doing. Like this is a nice message and all, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm gonna be honest with you. You're going to be what we call like the seed that's still in the hand, right? Like, like you haven't even been placed anywhere yet. You're not, you're not on the surface. You're not by the thorns. You're not in the shallow soil by the rocks. Like, you're not fruitful by any means. Like, you're kind of the seed that's in the hand. You're searching for Christ. You're searching for something. Or I don't believe you'd be here in this church service today. And that's not a bad place to be. Because everybody starts somewhere. And if that's you today, if you're searching for Christ, I want you to understand this, that Christianity is not as complicated. Actually, you know what? Christianity is complicated and not complicated at the same time. The feed of the club, the, the, the Christian club, is super easy. Learning when you're inside it is a, is, is a journey. Because the, the, the feet of the club is free. It, it just takes some simple steps from you. Now it comes at a cost, but that cost is your willingness to trek on this journey I just talked about. It's your willingness to say, maybe I'll give this a try and say, Jesus, this is between you and him. And you're just like, Jesus, I, I don't know what this looks like, but I know I haven't lived up to the person that I'm supposed to be. Would you forgive me of my sins? And then say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I give you the leadership of my life and I'm willing to give it a try. That's what the entry cost looks like. And if you're here and you've been searching for the key to life, you've been searching while you feel lost, Maybe Jesus is the answer. And I don't say maybe because I'm unsure. I say maybe more like a, he is. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. As much as this is about finding out what seed you are, Right, like where you are in this like seed journey. It's also a lesson of what kind of sower you are. What kind of sower do you want to be? One of the things that used to frustrate me as a kid, as I was growing up in the faith is watching these guys do these like tent crusades and they'd be like, 500,000 people were saved. And I would sit there and I would think of how many, 500,000 might've been saved today, but how many of them are saved next week? How many of them are actually following Jesus? How many of them are committed to Christ? Because that sower responsibility, right? Means that you've decided to be a committed Christian. 
And when you toss seeds out, where those seeds fall really matters. Where those seeds lie when you're tossing out the word of God, it's up to God to cultivate them. But where you're throwing them out matters and you get the opportunity. Not that you cause the seeds to grow in any way. Not that you are the, the reason why someone becomes a Christian, but you get to participate in the process. But God allows us to partner with him. And so your responsibility as a sower is important. And if you're a sower today that's never thrown seed because you're scared of where it might scatter, that is not your responsibility. It is your responsibility to care. It is your responsibility to see through what happens with that seed, just like it's the sower's responsibility. But Jesus, by and by the Holy Spirit, people's lives are changed. And some of them will be like that surface Christian. Some of them will bounce. Others will be like the shallow Christians. The wind came and their roots weren't deep enough. Some will be like those Christians that are seduced and walk away from the faith because of the temptations of the world. But some, some will become that steadfast Christian. Some will become that Christian who says, yes, and they multiply and they move. The journey as a sower matters. Are you sowing seeds? Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it great. He said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. There's a process that has to happen after the seeds are planted. There's a process. And that process is discipleship. You get to be a part of that. Another thing to remember is that the preacher of the gospel, the person saying the gospel, the sower, that sower didn't make the seed. He didn't create it. It's given to him by his creator. It's given to him by God. And no man could create the smallest grain that ever grew on the earth. Much less could we create the seed that impacts eternal life. That's not our point. That's not why we're here. We don't create the seed. We just get to spread it. And some of us, this is a weird dynamic where you're both the sower in some aspects and you're also the seed. You can't manufacture eternal life. You can solve the problems, the eternity conundrum by being a good steward right? By being someone that takes seriously the job of spreading the gospel, but you can't produce life. But you can participate in the solution. You're somewhere along that seed journey today. You are. Whether you're searching for Christ, you're a surface Christian, a shallow Christian, a seduced Christian, or maybe just maybe you're the steadfast. To know where to go, you have to know where you are. So today's challenge is, bro, where are you at? Gal, where are you at in your journey? 
What does it look like? Where are you in this journey? As you're jumping those levels, and you don't know exactly what's next. This is a snippet or a little glimpse into what those next levels might look like for you. And now you know how to combat them. So when you take that one step forward, you're not jarred and knocked down all the way back to the bottom. You're not knocked back three steps. But you see what's coming. You're able to take proper steps for where you are. Jesus wants to do a great work in you. So my hope is that now that you know what lies ahead and have the tools to beat it, you won't fall all the way back down. Jesus loves you. This journey can be difficult, it can be hard, but it's worth it every single time. So where are you on that sea journey? Where are you? Today, take some time, figure it out, and see where you lack in your journey with Jesus. As always, if no one's told you they love you today, I love you with my whole heart, and I'll see you soon, guys. What an amazing, amazing message that Pastor Daylight just gave to us. Um, to be completely honest, I think those challenges sometimes are the hardest challenges when you have to reflect on your 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 yourself really. You have to, you know, kind of close your eyes, take a second, really reflect on where you're at in your life. Where are you at in your journey? And so the challenge that he gave at the end, right? He was talking about commitment, he was talking about community, he was talking about cultivating a real relationship with Christ, but then the real challenge isn't just thinking about those things. It's about where are you actually at in your walk with Christ? And that question, I think, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I know I've asked that question many, many times in my life. I've, I've been a, um, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ at a very young age, but I definitely had different journeys as I was growing up where I kind of doubted my relationship with Christ. I doubted where I was actually at because of certain circumstances that I was going through in my life or certain things that I had done in my life and things of that nature. And all these questions pop up, but I think it's a great reminder to really look at and truly understand where am I at in my relationship with Christ? Am I committed? Do I go into community? Do I have people around me? Let me tell you, if it wasn't for the people that I have surrounded me with my entire life, I don't know where I'd be today. I don't know without my mom. I don't know where I'd be without the youth groups that I had when I was when I was with the youth. I don't know where I'd be without God Squad Church. Like all the different people that I surround myself with throughout my entire life has helped me to be able to get me to the place that I am today. Community and then cultivating, like he said, the most important thing that you can do. And Pastor Daylight has said this before. He, I remember a long time ago, he said, I could solve 90 to 95% of your problems if you just read your, your Bible every single day of your life. Like cultivating that relationship with Christ. It is so important to read your Bible and to pray every day, every single day, making it an important thing in your life. So where are you at? And maybe today you're listening to the message and you're like, you know what? I, I've recognized that. My, I accepted Christ a long time ago, but you know what? The pleasures of this world, it did choke me out. I realized that maybe, maybe you're that person that was scattered on a road, right? And it just got taken away immediately. And you never had that commitment. You've never been in that community. Hey, I, I want to give you an opportunity today to truly accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Maybe it would be the first time, or maybe it's somebody that needs to rededicate their life. Hey, we want, we want you to have that opportunity today, and I want to let you know, listen, it can be done at any time. It can be done at any time. It's literally just surrendering your life to Christ telling him that he is the Lord of your life, that you believe in him, that you believe in his death and his resurrection on the cross. 
and believing in him so that you can be saved from all of your sins for all of eternity. And maybe you made that decision earlier while Pastor Daylight was preaching. Maybe you made that decision right now and you're recognizing right now that I need Jesus in my life. Let me tell you, I, I need Jesus too. <laughs> we all need Jesus. But I want, you, I want you to know it is the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life. And so it is, it is super, super important. But I do, I do want to say as well, hey, maybe you're making that decision right now. Maybe you're saying right now that I, I needed to rededicate my life. Maybe you're saying right now I'm accepting Jesus Christ for the first time. Hey, we want to celebrate with you. We want to, we, we want to let you know that, listen, like I said, it is the most important decision that you can ever, ever make in your entire life. And we want to celebrate and congratulate you. Maybe you want to put it in the chat right now. Maybe you want to say, Hey, today I accepted Jesus. Today on, what is it, May 6th, or maybe you're in Australia and it's already May 7th. Hey, I, I accepted Jesus Christ today. Today is a life-changing thing. And hey, I want you to know if you did accept Jesus Christ today, like I said, we want to congratulate you, but I would also ask you to do something because we want to walk along on this journey with you. If somebody can type exclamation point connect it in the chat, what I would ask you to do, if you made that decision today, click on that form and, and fill it out and make sure to check off that you're a, that you, you accept Jesus, Jesus Christ for the first time or that you rededicate your life. Because listen, we want to walk along on this journey with you. It is not the end of something it's the beginning of something brand new and you might have questions you might have questions like where do i go to to read in the bible what, what how do i what is this praying thing you guys are talking about you said it's the two most important things that i need to be doing what do i do with those how do i use them how, how, how do i actually do them and then maybe you have questions about baptism listen i truly believe that when somebody gets saved they should be baptized like they need to, if you haven't been baptized yet and you, listen, we have baptism classes, please, please, please reach out. We would love, sign up for baptism, exclamation point baptism in the chat. Listen, fill out that form if you want to be baptized. We'd love to be able to walk through those journeys with you because I think they are super important. Once again, we want to congratulate you today uh, and celebrate with you if you're making that decision to either rededicate your life or maybe you're making your first time decision, decision to follow Jesus Christ in your life. Right now, guys, we're going to go into a time of offering and giving, though. And really, something that I truly believe, and I've, I've said this a lot, but giving of our of a, it finances, right? It's that uncomfortable topic that people don't want to talk about. But I truly believe, and I've believed this my entire life, is that giving of our finances and sacrificially giving is... It's really a faith step. It's really a faith step for me. And I know that because a lot of times, like I said before, I've gotten on my hands and knees with my wife. And we ask God, what is it that you want us to give? Sometimes he gives us a number and we're like, I don't know if that actually fits the budget. Actually, I would say probably 100% of the time. That's usually what it, what it looks like for us. But the fact of the matter is God has promised us in his word that he will continually provide for us. I believe that giving of our finances is a form of worship. I believe that giving of our time, our talents, our finances, our treasures, it's a form of worship. And I truly believe that with our finances that he's asked us to do that and to give and to give sacrificially. And it's because of you and those people that are faithful in giving that we can continue to do what we're doing here at God Squad Church, whether it's the streamathon that you guys saw this past week, having these weekly services, being able to do the daily reconnect, being able to have the XP groups, being able to do everything that we do here at God Squad Church. It's because of your faithfulness and generosity. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. And so first, I wanted to thank you for those of you that have been faithful and have been uh, generous as well with your giving. But Maybe this is your first time here today. Hey, we don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. But if you do call God Squad Church your home church, I want to challenge you today, encourage you to give. If this is where you're receiving from, if this is also where you, you feel like you, your time is being put into, where your efforts are going into, hey, that means that this is, that this is a home church for you if this is where you're putting your efforts, if you're receiving and you're giving here. And I would encourage you and challenge you to give uh, of your finances as well if you're really behind the vision of what we're doing here and you want to continually see people being changed uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ being changed by Jesus 
And so I want you to know there are multiple safe and secure ways you can give to God Squad Church. You can go into the panels below, click on the give link that will allow you to use PayPal. You, you can also go to our website at uh, godsquadchurch.com slash give. If you uh, go there, you can make it recurring weekly, you can do recurring monthly, or you can also just do a one-time donation there as well. And then finally, if you're a U.S. resident, you can use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84321. Uh, it, it, the first time you go through that process, it will take 30 seconds to a minute to really set it up but after that you just type any amount and that's the number 84321 so no matter how you are giving we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts and we want to thank you for those of you that have been faithful and generous in your giving as well 